0: All right. Well, we are in part three of our series. Uh, Christmas. It's all good, and really is that's kind of the question that we've been wrestling with, um, and it's kind of interesting. I, I I think you know it's natural, and it should be something that we all try to uh, look into and investigate and weigh the evidence of is it true? The thing that has been kind of interesting to me, and certainly, and I've said it's kind of blindsided me, is that we are living in a country. Um, that is not only asking the question but has kind of begun to tilt towards the answer that is it good? And tilting to the answer that maybe it's not. Maybe it's not good. And I think how in the world could we have gotten to a place in this country where, where we think it's not good? Like any religion, it's, it, all religion just needs to go, including Christianity, including the story of Jesus, it needs to go. It is the root of all of our problems. If we could just get rid of all of that, you know, because it's just not good. And then I watch as, as generation after generation of our, of our children, they grow up in, in the church and, and when they get into high school and they're like, we're out of here. Not going and or if they're forced to go through high school, then they get to college, never return. Like that's just not something I'm interested in. I don't think it's good, or maybe it's good, I don't know, but you know what? It's just and 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 I think how where did we where did we go wrong? Because when Jesus came on the scene, the first thing that they described it as is good news. Good news of great joy because it was for all the people. It wasn't just for a select few people. It wasn't just for the rich people. It wasn't just for the people that had the, you know, the right last name or the, you know, enough money in the bank. It was for all the people. And it was good news. And when you hear good news, it, you want it to be true. Even if it's not true, if you hear something that's good news, you want it to be true. And so how have we gotten to a place where we think maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's not good news, and I think, gosh, you know, <clears throat> maybe we as, as, a, as, 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 as a church, not, not as the crossing, but as the church in America, that maybe we have taken that good news, and the reason people don't think it's good news is that. They have interacted with someone who was representing or who they thought was representing Christianity, and they either did business with them, or they were married to them, or they were raised by them, or they worked for them, and whatever it was they said they believed and whatever it was that they did were two completely different things, and the thing that they represented was not good. It wasn't good and 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 maybe it was you know that we leveraged the good news for everything that was wrong maybe we leveraged the the good news maybe the church historically has leveraged the good news for its own power to manipulate people to do whatever it was they wanted them to do maybe they leveraged the good news for finances maybe ministries leveraged it to 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 get people to do what they wanted them to do and to gain power, to gain leverage, to gain, uh, you know, financial security. And so they leveraged it for all of the wrong things. And, And here's a nation sitting back watching it saying, no, that's not good. That's not good. But that's not the original version. And I guarantee you, every single person who has come to the conclusion after interacting with someone that it's not good news, they got a different version than the original version. Our job as a church, as Jesus followers, when I say uh, uh, us as a church, I'm talking about the Crossing Fellowship Jesus followers, all of us together, our job is to represent Jesus and to share him with the next generation as close as we can possibly share him to the original version that that next generation would take that into their circles of influence and into the world. See, when we bring something that's something other than the original version, that's not good news. That's not good news. And there's this correlation between, sometimes we think as as church people that, that we can believe something as long as we have our belief system right then it doesn't really matter how we act. It doesn't really matter how we treat other people. So we can believe correctly, but we can treat others poorly, and we're still good to go with God. So there's this correlation in the New Testament where Jesus is just like, we're to be the light of the world. That, that, that you can't just... You know, put your, you can't just believe something and then not follow it up with your life in how you live out your life. So, my question for us this morning is Are you good news? Are you good news to those around you? Are you good news as you walk into your high school? Are you good news as you walk into your workplace? Are you good news when you work into, as you walk into your home? Are you a representative of Jesus of the good news in wherever it is that you live and you go and you spend your time? It's so interesting because the Apostle Paul, and if you're not a church person, you're listening online, you have no idea who the Apostle Paul is. The Apostle Paul was actually a violent man um, and, uh, and, and, he, and he was trying in his mind to do the right thing. He, he, he saw this, this kind of, uh, sect of, of, of people who were following Jesus, and, and he saw that they were hijacking Judaism. And so, you know, he thought, man, to serve God, what I need to do is round up all of these rebels who are, you know, introducing this new deal and, and, and arrest them and put them in prison and put them to death. and uh, And you know what? I'm going to be a zealot for God. That's what God wants me to do. Until God got a hold of him, he had a personal interaction with God, which some of you could describe that you have had yourself. And you know what? God got his attention, and Paul was just like, whoa, I got it way wrong. And all of a sudden, he went from a Christian persecutor to an unbelievable church planter, and, uh, and he describes for us this kind of relationship between why it is that it's not okay for us to just believe something and not follow it up with the way that we live our lives. So in Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, love for you to, to join in there. You can do that. If you have your paper Bible, if you're at home, you've got a paper Bible, pull it off the shelf. Or if you have it on your phone, you Version, you can uh, look it up there as well. But Paul says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ he kind of starts off with this question like, is there, any, is there anything good from following Jesus? Does anything good come from that? And, and sometimes we just read so fast, we don't get past this. And we don't even really take time to answer the question. It's like, but you need to pause. We need to pause for a second and say, is there anything, any encouragement that comes from belonging to Jesus? You mean like every single day I get to get up and I get to live my life with purpose because I know exactly why I'm here and what God wants me to do? Oh, man, that's encouraging. You mean that, that I, would, I would get up every day and, and I would have pace in my life? I would have balance? In my life, like I wouldn't pursue something that, that normally everyone else would say, oh, you just need to go after that. But there's part of me that's like, no, that's not really where it's at. That is not where true contentment is. Following Jesus has encouraged me to go in a different direction. And when I do that, there's unbelievable contentment that comes with that, but there's pace that comes with that. Like I'm not going 100 miles an hour in a direction where I feel like, you know what, that's just going to end probably in the city of pain, but because of Jesus and because of the values that I am following him in, I have pace in my life, I've, I have balance in my life, I have unbelievable encouragement, I mean, I'm living with, with a peace I can't even describe, and you know what, there's some hard days, there, there's some difficult days, there's some unbelievable pain in this world, and, and not every day is a great day, but you know what, Behind it all, there is a, there's a purpose, and there's a peace, and there's a perseverance, and there's a contentment. There's an unbelievable quality. Life is better. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Jesus and following him? Well, gee, Eric, when you put it that way, yeah, yeah, there is. There's a lot. Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any comfort from his love in in the times when you have been at your lowest and and you just felt like maybe even God brought someone around you to be his hands and feet, to be the the physical touch that you needed to, to love you, to hug you, to say, you know what, that God is with you no matter what it is that you are going through. Any fellowship together in the Spirit, in other words, as you walk with Jesus, do you, do you enjoy any relationship with him? A sweet fellowship with him? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Or the opposite of that is, is your, are you building thicker and thicker and taller and taller walls around you? Or have you, as you follow Jesus, is your heart, are, are those walls actually coming down? Are the walls not as thick as maybe they used to be? Is your heart becoming more tender and compassionate? Tough, but tender? If that's the case, Paul says, then make make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. In other words, be an agreeable person. Don't be an antagonistic person. Since these things are true, about Jesus and you're following him, then there, it should result in something in how you live. You, you, you shouldn't be someone who's just argumentative all the time. Or, you know what, no matter what it is that someone says, oh, we've got to argue about that, we've got to argue about that. And if there's ever a time in our nation where we've got to argue about everything and, you know, a specific time of year when, you know what, we should have so much joy and all of a sudden it turns into, are we agreeing wholeheartedly with one another? No. Because the tree needs to be over there, and it needs to be this tall, and it needs to be decorated like that. We need this, and right? Oh man. So the question are are, are we good? Oh. See, Paul says. As you follow Jesus, there should be some things that, that work its way out. Make me truly happy agreeing wholeheartedly with one another. Man, have you ever had those times in your marriage where you couldn't even really describe it, but for whatever reason, you were, you were in a state of mind where you were agreeable with one another? Isn't that a sweet place? It's like, man, how do we live there? Loving one another, loving one another, working together together. With one mind and purpose, agreeing with one another, loving one another, working together in the same direction, everybody pulling in the same direction. That's an unbelievable picture. That's an unbelievable place to be. And Paul just says hey, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, There should be some things that are fleshed out in us. And so he says, hey, if you're going to do these things, there's some things you're going to have to do in order to make that happen. Number one don't be selfish. Don't you wish? Would it have been good? Let Let me ask you, would it have been good if you'd have grown up with a dad who wasn't selfish? Some of you are like, yeah, and you know what? I am so thankful that he wasn't. That's unbelievable. It's so good. So good to grow up in a home where, you know, the mom isn't selfish. So good, to, so good to, to, to be on a team where the teammates aren't selfish. So great to have friends. You know what? Is it good to have friends that aren't selfish? Is it good to have parents that aren't selfish? Is is it good to have an employer? Is Is it good to have employees that aren't selfish? See, it needs to not just be that we believe something, but it actually works its way out through us. So he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Thinking of others, don't just think about yourself. In this Christmas season, who, are, who is it that you are thinking about? What is it that you are wanting others to do for you? And you're going to be a little upset if they don't do it for you just right? And Paul just says, hey, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than Yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. And then he says something. I'm just telling you what. If our world, if our world could grab a hold of these next two verses, I'm I'm just telling you what it would change, the world. It changed the world once, and I believe it can change the world, again. Paul says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, what attitude is that, Paul? Well, though he was God, in other words, though he had position, though he had a title, though he had the power, though he could have done anything that he wanted to do and he would have been right in doing it and he would have had the authority to do it, And he would have had the power to do it. He would have had the title to do it. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. What title do you have? Every one of you has a title. Are you the big brother, middle brother, middle sister, older sister, parent, father, mother, manager, Every one of you has a title. Every one of you has some, some power. Every one of you has some position. Are you holding on to that as something to cling to? Are you leveraging that for you? Are you, are you squeezing it out? Because I've finally gotten to this place, and you know What? I hated it when I was underneath them, and they just put their thumb on us and made us do all of these things. You know what? Now I'm in this position, so I am so glad because now I'm in the position, now I can be the one who put my thumb on them. Jesus just comes along and says, you know what? He did it in a different way. Though he was God, he didn't cling to that. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He gave up his divine privileges. He chose relationship over being right. Every single one of you this week is going to have multiple opportunities to choose relationship over being right. That's what Jesus did. And then he invites us into that process. And says, "I want you to look at others as more important than yourself." Can you imagine a team that would do this? Can you imagine world leaders who would do this? Can you imagine? And we and, and part of us is like, "Yeah, the world leaders—they need to do that." Where do the world leaders come from? Well, they were born in a family. They were raised by some parents. Probably went to college. And then they ended up becoming leaders and ended up becoming world leaders. It starts right here at home. Are we good? One of the things that I find interesting and give you a, a little example, I'm going to brag on my kid for just a second, I don't do this very often, but... Uh, so my youngest son, Shane, he's a good basketball player. He's a pretty good athlete. And, uh, and on his team, he's kind of looked at as, you know, he's kind of the stud. He's kind of, man, Shane, you know, he can dunk the basketball. He can, he can really dunk the basketball, like, better than I ever could. And, uh, and so, you know, the kids kind of look up to him. And, and, uh, and so here it is, an example of someone who could normally use their position Use their title, and kind of leverage that as, you know, I kind of got it going on. I'm kind of the hotshot around here, and there's another boy on the team, who's who's uh, who struggles, and and when I say struggle, I mean really struggles. I mean, not he's just just not not very good, and and he you know he tries really hard. He's just he's just you know, developmentally just hasn't, hasn't uh, been able to develop that way. So, so here we go. Here's our positions. And what Jesus is asking us to do is to ask us to do what he did. Here's his position, and here we are, and he came underneath us and served us and rose us up. Here's Shane, and he could use this position and this power, and, you know, I'm the athlete, and woo, woo, woo. And you know what? Here's the guy that can't really play, and and you know what? So I'm just not even going to look at him. I'm not going to throw the ball to him. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to have anything to do with him because yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm way above that. So do you know what I found out Shane's been doing after practice? He's been inviting this boy to getting his car, and then he gives him a ride home because he doesn't have a ride home. That's what it looks like. Leveraging his power, not for him, but for everyone else. It's beautiful. It's good. It's unbelievably good. I'm telling you what, that would change the world it will change your marriage it will change your family it will change your workplace it changes a church it changes a town that right there my friends can change our nation but it starts right here at home see When Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So here's the creator of all of the universe, and here we are, little peons. And he took all of this deity and all of this power and he set it all aside, and he humbled himself to to the helpless state of a baby. That is good. It's beautiful. And then not only that, but he comes in human form in Christmas time with the purpose of dying on a cross to pay a price that we wouldn't be able to pay ourselves, and so he paid it for us. That is so good. That's the original version. And so Paul says in verse 12, he says, Dear friends, work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results. Don't just believe something and then not do anything. Work hard to show that, you know what? I am so grateful. I am so thankful that I get to live in this place of position of, you know what? What? that I am perfect in the eyes of God. I have no idea how in the world he was so gracious to give me that much grace and that gift. But now I am going to work hard to show the results of the position I have, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, with great respect and deep reverence. For God is working in you God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This isn't just, hey, I'm going to power up on my own. This is, you know what, how do I surrender? How do I surrender and allow God to work through me? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Okay, Paul, that, this word might be a little strong. Like, you mean everything? without complaining and arguing, so no one can criticize you. Another version is, so you will be blameless. So before someone has an opportunity to come in and blame you, you've already made it right. They were like, oh, man alive, I was going to blame them, but they've already, you know what, they've already made it right. You know what, you messed up, and before anyone has a chance to come in and tell you that, hey, you need to, I've already made it right. Yeah, I, I blew it. I've already made it right. Before anyone has a chance to come in and say, oh, man, can you, yeah, I I, I screwed up, but I made it right. I went to them, made it right. You know what? Yeah, I did that, confessed, made it right. I went and made that right. I went and made that right. Made that right. You're blameless. No one can criticize you. It's not that you're living a perfect life. It's when you mess up, you confess you messed up, and then you do what you need to do to make it right because that's what Jesus followers do. So is it good? Are we good? <laughs> See if if we as Jesus followers, if we as the crossing, if we would reflect the original version in our homes, in our marriages, as children to our parents, as children as Teenagers to our peers. I'm telling you what, you teens, if you would reflect this in your schools, your schools, uh, everyone would want to go to your school. Everyone would want to go to your school. It would be so irresistible. Your families would be so healthy. It would be irresistible. Our church would be irresistible. So come on, as your pastor, I am I, saying, hey, let's get in the game together. And I'm, you know what, we are all in process in different places. But let's not just be content believing something and not actually doing anything. And then when we mess up and we're gonna mess up, let's be the first ones to forgive. Let's be the first ones to ask forgiveness. So this week, you invited them hoping they wouldn't come, but you get credit for inviting them, right? But they're coming. They're, they're coming. Or you invited them, they ain't coming. That kind of makes you mad. This week, I'm telling you, You're going to have some days that you were hoping that are kind of just you days, and they're going to stay into one of your you days. Or something's going to happen in your marriage, something's going to happen in your family, and one of your you days is going to get blown out of the water. This week, I'm telling you what, you're going to have unbelievable opportunities to flesh this out. So, the next couple of weeks. Let's try this out. Let's be the first ones to forgive. Let's be the first ones to ask for forgiveness. Let's be the first ones to make it right. Let's be the first ones to be agreeable. Let's be the first ones to actually reflect what Jesus' followers are called to be and do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you invite us into this lifestyle that it makes so much difference. God, if we would just just do some of these simple things, our lives would be changed forever. Our world would be changed forever. We would go from a place of just fighting and fighting and fighting and division and to a place where, yeah, we're, we're not going to look at everything the same way. But God, we're, we're going to not just power up and be right and stand in our corner and throw bumper stickers at people. But God, we're going to do what Jesus did and not power up, but power down to actually come underneath, to actually serve, to actually try to understand, to, to be agreeable. God, to do something that doesn't even make sense in our world right now. But God, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. And as we do, people would Look at it and say, I don't know if I believe that's true, but my goodness, that's good. That's so good. God, would you bring us back to that place? And as a nation, would you bring us as a nation back to that place? Jesus. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Here we are. Here we are.
1: Okay, this is this is different. You and I together here. I know this is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. <laughs> All right. So, is it true? Is it good? Mm-hmm. I think that's something with when you've been talking about this. Is it good? That that's hit home because I think you're you're right. It's it's um, something that our nation seems to be twisting, and um, it it almost makes. I mean, at times I even question, like, where, where am I at? Am I, like, is this, I, I don't know if that's where I want to be, or, I mean, I, I, I know it's good, but yet, mm, why do so many people seem to be antagonistic towards that? So um, that's a, a good thing to ponder. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes we can take a posture of uh, and become defensive in our as Christians in our world and in our nation, for sure. But then I think if we step back and and say, man, some of the things that we have leveraged the good news for, um, and how how awful those things have been, it kind of begins to make sense that why some people don't view it as good because some of those things have not been good at, at all. But the I think the thing that encourages me is we sowed our ways our we sowed our way here we can sow our way out um but it's a it's a long vision we we didn't sow there overnight um it was a generational thing and it's going to be a generational thing to sow our way out of it as well
1: um I I will admit that I kind of got hooked on the concept of joy so my mind kind of maybe wandered a bit. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> the pastor's wife mind wandered in the sermon. Oh yeah. man.
1: A little bit. Um, but joy and how uh, joy is a choice. Mm-hmm. and um, and then but bringing that back to even Jesus had that choice, and it it says that um, we we talked about Philippians where he traded the glory to come down. Yeah. But we also it also talks about um where where Jesus it, for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. Yeah. And where he he didn't have just a here and now view of what was going on, he had an eternal view and he had an eternal view of all of us together with him and that was the joy that allowed him to go through and I think um that's that's a good thing, too, to think about and to um, go. And, and where, where, for me, myself, can I set some as, aside some of what I want and bring, then come under and bring joy yeah. to others around us this, this week or yeah. whatever?
0: Yep. That would, be, that would be great to do this week.
1: Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, as we conclude, do you have any other final words or a final charge you'd like to give to us as we head yeah. into this week? And- I would
0: just say pre-decide. So right now, you, ha- you have an opportunity to pre-decide what climate you are going to bring. Are you going to bring storms? Are you going to bring sunshine? What, what are you going to bring this week um, as you celebrate Christmas um, with or without family? Um, and sometimes it's, hey, they're coming and I didn't really want them to come. Sometimes, you know what, I want them to come and they're not coming. That makes me mad too. So what climate are you going to bring this week? This week, you have an opportunity to act out exactly what it is that we were talking about.
1: All right. Okay, Crossing. We uh, hope to see you Christmas Eve. Um, Invest and invite and bring friends with you at 4 o'clock or at 6 o'clock Christmas Eve. Remember, next Saturday we are not having an in-house gathering, but we would like to meet you in your homes. Yep, next Sunday. So next Sunday we will just be doing the live stream service. Um, And so anyway, Merry Christmas, Crossing. And we'll see you back here in a couple weeks.